Holy Spirit, I just thank you. You are so kind. We want to meet with you more. There is none like you. God, help me and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a good prayer. Help. <laughs> All right. I, I have a lot of things going on in my mind and heart right now. So let's just see where we land this morning. Have you guys had a good break? Holidays? Yeah. Yeah, some of you? Okay. Awesome. I know a lot of people are still away and... Some people can't be with us. Um, just going to take a moment just to wait on him. I just really want to make sure we're just in the right space. Thank you, Lord. Any distractions right now, we just turn our eyes on you, God. Thank you, Lord. I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, the Lord said to me, Liam, I'm looking for a generation that I can be myself around. And I, I don't think that's changed. I think he really is looking for a generation that he gets to be him. And we get to be fully us. Um, there was a phrase that I was reminded of actually this week is that churches have used for a long time, I don't hear it much anymore, which is good, uh, is that, you know, less of me and more of you. And in the right sense, that's correct. Less selfishness, less pride, less arrogance, all of those things. John, John the Baptist prayed that prayer. I may decrease that you might increase. But that was because he prayed that prayer that he would step aside and Jesus would come and take over the reins, you know, that we're followers of Jesus, not John the Baptist. And there's a verse in, uh, there's a, you know when it says, and Adam walked in the cool of the day with God in Genesis 3. That word cool of the day is the word ruach. It's the breath of God. So Adam walked with the breath of God in the cool of the day with the breath. <laughs> like, try and work that out, right? So there's, an, there's a... Um, a similar word that you and I have, or ruach can be translated spirit, breath, wind. There's multiple translations for it. And then there's a word that we're, of where we have our own spirit. We're a spirit, soul, and a body. And that word spirit is the word, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so if there's any Hebrew scholars in here, please forgive me. But it's the word ruach, and it comes from the word ruach. So when the Ruach comes inside of a person, they in turn function with the Ruka of God, which then means they're walking in the fullness of how they're created to be. Because we're a new creation. So you're a new creation in God, so you then get to function the way that God actually designed you to function. So it's not less of you so that God can be glorified. It's actually the fullness of God in you 
and then you operating in that brings glory to God. Does that make sense? And I just really believe that in order for God to be fully God, we need to learn a few things. We need to give him room for him to be him. But we also need to believe the gospel that actually we're, we're a new creation and we're in a new covenant. And I've been pondering this thought. We will, let me just, let me do a few rabbit trails and then we'll see where we land, okay? I was praying about this morning and I was like, all right, God, what do you want to share with, and I heard Andrew was awesome last week. I heard it was a great, great time. What do you want to birth this year for 2022? You know, we've had 20, if you've been a part of this church from the beginning, we planted it in 2018. It's as old as Isla, wherever she is, running around. And we had an interesting first year. And then we had 2019, which was a great year. We had like foundations got built in the church and then COVID. <laughs> and then 2020, and then it was like reset. And then 2021, it was like reset again. And then it's now where here we are in 2022. And I was like, what do you want to, you know, so this feels somewhat like we're planting the church for the fourth time. <laughs> uh, and I was like, what do you want to do? What are, you, what are you saying to us as a church? You know, what are you saying to us as a community? And Thursday night, by the way, I'm, I cannot encourage anyone more. These, these prayer nights are just powerful. They're glorious. And some of the words that have come out of, Thursday night, I'll be kind of weaving them in, but uh, we, as a team, we're actually, as an eldership and a team, we're meeting on Saturday um, coming just to pray and seek the Lord. We haven't had a chance to be together because of COVID and a whole bunch of other stuff, so we're just going to be together on Saturday, spend the whole day together just praying and seeking the Lord, really what he's got for us as a church this year. So if you can be praying for us, that'd be awesome. But one of the things that came out of Thursday night, which was it's a constant theme that really kept coming up, was that we would create space for God. We create space for His Spirit, for His presence to come. You know, Paul, who was Saul, I shared at the start, didn't have a theological debate with someone and then get saved. He had an encounter with Jesus. I love theology. I love the Bible. I just think it's awesome that we have God in print at our disposal and we should read this book to know the author. I just think it's incredible. And we should value that. We should value truth. We should value theology. There's a lot of stuff right now. You know, there's one way to God, not multiple. There's one way to God. There's a lot of stuff that's, you know, coming into Christianity that's like, no, that's not okay. But if we never encounter the author, then it just becomes more rhetoric and more head knowledge. And I can't remember who said it, but 
So I just want to clarify this before anyone throws stones. I believe in the Bible. I love it. It's good. It's the final authority. It's the final word. Everything should come through the lens of Jesus, all of those things. All right? Did you hear that? Okay, cool. Did you get that, Kim? Yep. Okay, cool. But Paul and Peter, James, John, the authors of of, uh, the New Testament, they wrote the book. They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to propose that sometimes we put more emphasis on a book that they didn't have versus the Holy Spirit that they did have. It's not one or the other, right? I'm not, I'm not elevating the Spirit. I'm actually saying we need 100% truth and 100% of the Spirit of God. It can't be just the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. It has to be Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? And so we need the Spirit of God and we need to actually host His presence well. And Paul was content. He said, I'm content with much and I'm content with little. And the question that I I, I posed to the guys on Thursday night was, we have everything we need for life and godliness. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I think it's Romans 8. He says, how much more will he give us all things? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will get added. Right? So we have everything we need for life and godliness at our disposal. Everything has been purchased. There isn't a sin or a problem or a a situation that Jesus didn't purchase at the cross. He became victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Right? So there wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't like God's not up there going, oh, I didn't see 2020 coming. It hasn't caught him off guard. But his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? So here we go, I've got the Spirit of God and we've got everything we need for life and godliness. And then there's this other side of that same coin that's like, well, I don't know if we're experiencing the fullness of that right now all the time, if we were to be honest. So we're going to hunger and thirst and go after that to create room and space for Jesus to be Jesus. I'm content with what I currently have, but I'm not satisfied also because I want more. I want more. And a good friend of ours, Chris Gore, some of you were here when Chris Gore came and spoke. He preached his last message at Bethel on Sunday and I watched it and sent him a message and said, I'm so excited you're coming to New Zealand. You're only around the corner now. And uh, does anyone know who Chris Gore is? People not know who Chris Gore is? Chris Gore is healing, healing director there for 15 years. And, uh, and he tells this story. He said he preached in front of thousands of people, 20,000 people. He never gets nervous. 
except for when Bill Johnson's in the room, then he gets really nervous. And he said, this one time he was preaching a couple of years back and he said, you know, I pulled up at the parking lot and he said Bill had preached four services that Sunday morning so he was excited because he knew Bill wouldn't be at night time. He's like, oh, good, I can preach and not get overwhelmed. And then Bill pulled up next to him in the car park and Chris is like, oh, what are you doing here? And he said to Bill, he said, what are you doing here? Like, I thought you'd be at home and hanging out with your wife. And he goes, why wouldn't I be here? I'm hungry, aren't I? And I thought, oh, that just encapsulates what we're going after so well. That we want to create a space here, Sunday mornings, Thursday nights, and that it wouldn't just come and stay here. Everyone knows us. It's just, but we do need the gathering of the saints. Hebrews 3 says, do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. Right now, church, in the, if I can just, just take a second, we need to be united. We need to be together. People are, we're living in the most connected but disconnected world ever. We're so connected, but we're so disconnected. People are so lonely. People need a touch. You know, I can't remember who I was talking with, but they hugged someone and they just cried. They're like, I haven't been physically touched in over a year by someone else. We're created for that. You know, we're created for connection. We're created for unity. And right now in the church, we don't need more disunity and cutting and dividing. We need to be united under one thing, Jesus. Under one thing. And so I really want to, I want to be like, hey, I'm content with what I've got. And I believe in faith that we have everything at our disposal. But I'm also hungry, aren't I? <laughs> I'm also going after the things of God. And I want to pursue the things of the Spirit. And I, I, I just think sometimes, this is probably not so much of a teaching this morning as it is just a, I don't know what it is, <laughs> a talk. Actually, I will, I will teach this. Going back onto that Ruach of God, the breath of God. In Exodus, when the lightning came and the thunder and they, on Mount Sinai and they saw, you know, the Israelites, they saw what they thought was, you know, you've got you to picture Israel, right? They're captive in, in Egypt and they get all these plagues come <laughs> and then they get delivered out of Egypt and then they're at the base camp of Mount Sinai and they're witnessing lightning and thunder. And they're like, oh, we don't want to go up there because that looks pretty scary to us because our, our view of God has just plagues, right? But I think that moment is possibly the worst moment in Israel's history because God wanted to make them a priesthood of all believers. And yet they were like, we don't want to be a part of it. We'll send Moses. Moses goes up and he meets with God face to face, comes back down. Well, that word lightning and thunder in there is also the word ruach. And some people have, some scholars have even translated it 
as tongues of fire. Are you seeing the pattern? And we know Acts 2. They're in the upper room and they're all in one accord. And the, it says a mighty rushing wind comes in, the Ruach of God, the breath of God, and it comes as tongues of fire. It's not a coincidence. I believe it's a prophetic imagery that we see in Scripture where out of chaos, the breath of God comes and brings order. Adam, Exodus, there's more times than just those two, but I'm just using those three as an example. And the breath of God comes, tongues of fire, now every nation and and tribe can hear their native tongue being spoken when God, when uh, the Hebrews made the Tower of Babel, he scattered them and they all spoke in different languages and they couldn't understand because they were making idols out of stuff. Thought they were God, so he scatters, their language, scatters them and scatters their language and they're talking in a different language. Here in the New Covenant, he brings them back together and they're united and they all hear the same language. They all hear their language. Does that make sense? Yeah. When in Genesis, when God it says, "Let us make man," I'm going to try and bring this together. When when God said, "Let us make man in our image," that word "image" is the word "idol." Now I want you to think. All right. Get your thinking caps on for a second, all right? Are you with me? You tracking? You one one person is, all right? <laughs> Let us make man in our image. So God creates people in his idol, in his image. And then he commands man, do not make idols of me. Why? Because he's the creator. And his idols or his images were created perfect. Don't take on the don't do not take on the person of God and try and create idols because that's already been done. Does that make sense? So that's why he warns us. He says, Do not create idols out of me or of golden calves or whatever, because I've created the perfect images and the perfect reflection, and we find the perfect reflection in the life of Jesus. He's the perfect image of God and the perfect image of man. It's a good deal, right? So he says, do not create idols of me. Why? Because you're created in the image of God. And when you have the ruach of God, the breath of God in you, you get to walk out the fullness of how God created you to be. Hallelujah. That's good. Hmm. Luke ten thirty eight. Let's go there. This is this is where I want to land. This morning, and we're just going to take some time. Luke 
Holy Spirit is God on earth. Holy Spirit is God on earth. And he thought of this. He thought it's a good idea to put Holy Spirit inside of my people. That was his idea. You know, he says, we want it in John 17, he says, was it John 17 or John 14? He says, we will come and make our home, our abode in you. We, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit will come and make their home, their dwelling place inside of humanity. Brilliant. I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> Genius. In the Old Testament, God rested upon people. The Spirit of God would rest upon people. In the New Testament, he come and takes up residency inside of people. Because he dealt with the root issue of sin. And he takes up residence, right? Christianity is not saying no to a million things. It's saying one yes to Jesus. You know, seek first the kingdom. People say, Liam, it's first God, then it's the church, then it's the family, then it's your kids, then it's this, and there's this hierarchical order, then it's your job. Rubbish. It's first, seek first his kingdom, and when I'm seeking first his kingdom, my marriage is awesome. When I'm seeking first his kingdom, my work life is amazing because I'm doing it unto the Lord. When I seek first his kingdom, I have an amazing friendship circle because I'm seeking first his kingdom. When I try and do it in my own strength and I make an idol out of work or COVID or politics or something else, then I've created idols and I'm not walking in the fullness of God. You can live like an orphan in the promised land, but why do you want to? All right, now I'm warmed up. Okay. <laughs> right? You seek first his kingdom and then it's like, oh, just his ways are so different to our ways, church. His idea was let's spit in mud, rub it on the blind person's eyes, and they get healed. That's not the, that's like, oh, we'll send you to the doctor, right? And I'm, I love doctors. They're incredible, incredible, incredible. And nurses, they're amazing. I'm not against the medical world at all, right? My wife wouldn't be here if it wasn't for doctors and our kids. None of them would have been born. But his kingdom is completely counterculture to our kingdom. Completely. Like if I was up in heaven thinking about, all right, how are we going to save the world? You know, I'd probably be thinking military takeover. You know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? He's like, I found a little girl in Bethlehem. Let's, Let's get her pregnant with the Holy Ghost. I don't know if that's a good idea. It's like, yeah, no, that's a good idea. I found a girl who I think is highly favoured. And I want to put my seed in her. She's not married, though. Yeah, I know. How awesome is that? It looks like sin to the rest of the world. Well, what are we going to do with Joseph? He'll be all right. He's a good man. How are we going to pay our taxes? Ah, we'll get a fish. I'll get the coin out of the fish. Like, what do we do? What do you like? Let's think about this. 
It's like, how did he conquer the grave? It's like, I'm going I'm to go to the cross and it's going to be me who has to give myself over. They can't touch me. He gives himself over. Peter's like, they've come to take my Lord. Shing, takes out the sword, cuts off the guy's ear, right? And most of us probably would be like, yeah, go Peter. That's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, come on. You can't, like, take it. Where's the rest of your swords? And Jesus is like, picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on, and heals the guy that's about to send him to the cross. Lord spoke to me about that verse a couple of months back and he said, Liam, that's perfect love that casts out all fear. Because he's not afraid of like the surrounding massive storm. He's asleep. He's like, wake up, Jesus. Uh, hush. <laughs> his world, his ways are completely different. Completely different. <laughs> what am I getting at? I'm, I'm... We need his spirit to walk into this room. I'm sure we'll have theology teachings. I'm sure we'll have sermons. I'm sure we'll have all these things but we need his presence to come into the room and change everything. Because when his presence is, you know when Jesus says in Luke 4, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel, send out, you know, release captives, all those things. And it says he sat down and it says all the eyes were on him. Some theologians say he sat in the mercy seat. His disciples even said when he said, you need to drink my flesh and eat my blood. Uh, drink my blood and eat my flesh. We'll get it right. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Thousands left. They said, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We don't fully get you, Jesus. You're a little bit weird. But we need to hang around you. I love Mark 3. It says he appointed 12 that they might be with him. He didn't appoint 12 that they might do his dirty work. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. Luke 10, verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had her sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted which, with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. I just want to pause right there for a second. We need, we, we need to do stuff, right? We, 
we don't do to become, we've become so we do. Right? We, I think we, a lot of us know that. We're human beings before we're human doings, all of those things. Right? We, in the kingdom of God, you're, you're accepted, which gives you your identity, and then out of that you do what you do, not the other way around. You don't do what you do to get your identity to make you accepted. It's the other way. You're accepted in the beloved. That gives you your identity as a son and daughter of God. And then out of that, you do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Right? So we need, we need there, there is an outworking of our faith and all of those things. But here he says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And the Lord answered, verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And this is our verse, verse 42. But one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I really believe in this season right now that we're entering into... We need to create room and create space for the Holy Spirit to come and to be him. He's the drawer of all men. He's the one that draws men unto himself. We had words on Thursday night about this house, which we'll share in the coming weeks. But that there would be a place, that there would be a place in our region, in our area, in our state that wouldn't be distracted with many things, but would be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, one thing is necessary, that I sit at your feet and you would teach me all things. You know, many times throughout church history, you know, we, you know, prophecy or whatever takes place and people start prophesying and then whatever, someone gives a really bad prophetic word and it's not from God. And, and what's happened so often in churches is then they go, oh, well, let's just shut down prophecy altogether rather than actually teach on it correctly and go after it and create room for God to be God again. I mean, you think about the Corinthian church, they're doing some crazy stuff. Crazy, like just read it. And Paul's like, all right, let's just bring some order to chaos right now, but don't shut it down. There's two times in scripture, there's two ver- or three verses that scare the living daylights out of me. Do not quench the Holy Spirit, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and when I return will I find faith on the earth. Those verses scare me in a really good way. Do not quench the Holy Spirit and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's God on earth. So this is what we're going to do just for 10 minutes right now. I just wanted to set the, the stage, I guess, so to speak, for this year with that we would create room. I don't want to force it. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, this Sunday we're going to do something different. And God's like, I'm doing this. <laughs> but I want, us, I want us to come on Sundays, on Thursdays, when we have home groups, when we, whatever we're doing, that we come and we're expecting for God to show up. 
We're like, oh, God's in me and I'm bringing praise to him. But he's also going to walk in the room. His spirit's going to come in the room and change the atmosphere. He's going to heal people. He's going to set people free. It's not because of some slick production. It's not because of the light show. We don't have one. (laughs) But I want his presence. I want his presence. That he would be looking for a generation that he gets to make his home in. John 14, that he gets to come and make his abode, his home. That the Ruach of God, the breath of God will just blow. I'm not picking on church services right now for a second, but I just this illustrates it really well. Okay. So often, we're in worship or the presence of God is doing something, and I often equate that to, say, intimacy with your spouse. He's coming back for a bride church. He's not coming back for a business. He's coming back for a bride who's compatible with the husband. And if I can just be blunt right now, we need the Holy Spirit. We need it in in Australia, in Victoria. We need him. We don't need some really intellectual sermon. We need his presence. I can preach. Don't you worry. I can teach. I can do a lot of things. I've preached in Bible colleges. I've done a whole heap of theology stuff. I can give you a good sermon but I want his presence. I want him to walk into these four walls of this building and change people's lives, heal them, set them free of depression, set them free of cancer, COVID, whatever. Encounter the love of God. And often we're in worship or we're in the presence of God and I've been guilty of this as well. And again, I'm not shaming this, all right, because I get it. But we're, we're, we're in the presence and God's there and God's like, oh, this is amazing. How amazing are my children? They're just worshipping me. Not out of some egotistical thing, but because he's like, man, when they worship me, they become like me. Gosh, look at him. I can just picture God and talking with Gabriel and Michael and all the angels. He's like, whoa, look at those kids down there. And the Hebrews 11 of faith are like, yes, run this race that's set before you. Go after the presence of God. Let the train of his robe fill the temple, right? And they're in this intimacy moment, and then they're like, Doop. all right, and this is what's coming up next week. And it's like, oh, we were just in the moment. And he's like, not that he's like smiting us, but he's like, oh, I was just about to break in, and I was just about to do this, and I was just about to. And I was just invading earth. And then it's like, we haven't learned how to host the presence of God. And I equate that to like intimacy with your spouse. And it's like, you know, you, it's Friday night or whatever, you know, come on, we're adults. <laughs> you're married, mate. <laughs> and you're in the moment and then you're like, hey, what are the kids doing on Wednesday? Oh, well, that moment's gone, isn't it? 
Serious. And it's not about a time thing, but it is also about a time thing. Sitting at the feet, I'm busy doing one thing is necessary. So let's do that. We're going to do it now. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. We know you're in us. You know, we know you're in us. We believe by faith that you're at work in our lives. But right now we want you to come into the room. Whatever our preconceived ideas about you are, we want to yield to your presence. We want to create space for you. Would you come and have your way right now? We're just going to take 10 minutes just to sit at the feet of Jesus, just to wait for his presence. If you need to pray, if you need to pray in tongues, if you need to sing out, that's totally allowed. stand. Let's all stand. <clears throat> awesome. Here's my charge for us that, you know, I'm, this is the best way I can describe it, how I'm feeling. I'm, I have everything I need in my marriage. I'm fully married, fully born again. I have access to the Trinity. Uh, I'm fully alive in Christ. But I'm not, I'm growing. I want to grow in my marriage and continually grow and become more intimate and closer with my spouse, with my, with my wife. I don't want to be like, woohoo, I've signed a contract and I'm married and now I just sit in a room and I don't ever get to know her. Or I read my marriage vows over and over again, but I never actually know the author. And that's where, I'm, that's where I think we, we're at as, as a body. It's like, all right, we're, we're content with this. We're in the beloved, but gosh, I'm hungry. Gosh, I want more. And gosh, I want to go after that. And Yongi Cho traveled America for nine months. I've said this here before many times, but he traveled America for nine months. And he finished up his tour he came back and the people that were taking him around, they said, what'd you think? Oh, I'm amazed. Incredible. And they said, they were like, yes, Young Cho loves our churches. And he says, of what man can do without the Holy Spirit. 
That's a good wake-up call, isn't it? And I, I believe in sound doctrine. I believe in very, very good theology. But it's not void of an encounter with the Holy Ghost. And we have to have both. We have to have both. Amen? Hey, put a hand on your heart. Father, right now, I just pray blessing. I just thank you for this morning that you would stir up the gift within us. You'd stir up the Holy Spirit in such a way that the waters would just begin to overflow in our lives. That as we drink of you, Lord, that we would just, we'd be so, so full of your spirit. We'd be so full of the new wine. We'd be so full of you. Where there's been dry wells, I pray you dig right down deep and, and just be a spring of life that would be, that'd be drawn up. I thank you for the more of you, God. And I pray as we go that there'd be just encounters of your love, encounters of your richness this week. I pray those that need a miracle in their body right now, there'd be complete healing in Jesus' name. Right where you're at. On Sunday last week, I preached at Glory City, Brisbane, and uh, people got healed in the service and even online. And there was someone that got healed. Just So, Father, we just pray a blessing right now and healing on people's bodies. Any anxiety, any worry right now, I just command you to leave. You do not belong. You do not belong in that person. I just pray the perfect peace of God, the shalom of heaven would crush that anxiety and that worry. In Jesus' name, amen.